Hi, welcome to Spirituality in Our Faith. Um, my name is Robert Luong. I am a, a spiritual life coach, Reiki healer, and tarot reader. Today on Spirituality in Our Faith, faith we have David from, I believe it's called Porous Palms? Yep. Okay. So, David, pick a number between one and five. Hmm, three. Three. Okay, so I'm going to shuffle three times. The deck I'm reading from is uh, the Spirit Animal Oracle Colette Baron Reed. One. Two. Oh, well, that's weird. Three. <laughs> Wolf spirit, turn knowledge into wisdom. Hmm. I feel that applies. That's quite applicable to everything I do. Or at least uh, everything I try to do. The wolf spirit leads you to deep into the enchanted forest that holds the secrets to your life. Can you sense her beckoning you to follow, asking you to take all you have learned and all you are learning and make it yours? Can you integrate it all into your body, mind, and spirit? Whatever lessons you've learned along the way, do not leave them unexamined. Be loyal to your dreams, to your soul, and to turning knowledge into wisdom and experience into magic. You are the one you have been waiting for. Be still and know the sound of your heart beats in harmony with the whole world. The appearance of what's, oh my God, what spirit is in an auspicious omen that says you are truly in alignment with your destiny. It's funny. I'm actually writing a little for one of the, the sort of uh, weekly things I'm doing on my blog. I'm um, like an hour ago was writing a, uh, little mini essay on the high priestess card. I'm going through each card of the major arcana and I feel that's really, that's a lot of high priestess energy right there. Secret uh-huh. and sort of beckoning into the unknown and the embodying of magic and mystery. I love it. I don't know. I was taught like, what was it? A high priestess is like inner knowing or like yeah. the universe knows even when we don't or like, <laughs> You know, like, it's a secret, and it's going to think, like, I don't know how to put it in words. Every time I've done a high priestess in a reading, for me personally, it's kind of been like, you know the answers, and if you don't know, the universe is going to hit you in the face with yeah. the answer. Just, like, give it three days. Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about that? Like, what's your relationship to the high priestess? I, my relationship, so I have several uh, tarot decks, and I, I have my relationship relationship which with each card is sort of um what's the word i'm looking for what's the word i'm looking for it sort of leans heavily on the deck that made that card click for me if that makes any sense um yeah so like i i so my relationship with the high priestess is more so with um, linked to uh, the Hoodoo Tarot, which is the primary deck I use for my personal readings. Um, and in that deck, it's rep- or she's represented as a figure 
uh, named Miss Ida, and she was a uh, conjure woman, a very young woman. She was like seven years old when she first started doing spiritual work for people. And she was a part of this um, group of women, the Seven Sisters, um, and they were all known throughout the U.S. for for their spiritual work and their fast, you know, magic and stuff like that. And she was very young, and she wanted to hear a voice. Wait, before she did work for other people, she wanted to wait until she heard the voice of God give her like, "Go ahead." So every day, every year, or I want to say seven years. I don't have the booklet in front of me, so I don't. Want, I don't want to like misquote numbers too much. Like every year for seven years, she would spend like seven nights in her attic just praying incessantly. Um, waiting for this epiphany and it finally came so i've always associated the high priestess with that knowing with this idea of initiation even if it's self-initiation the idea of patience of humility being able to say like i surrender to a higher power um kind of like a healthy expression of hierarchy um even if you just look at the idea of a high priestess from a, from a literal perspective, like there's, there's, there's a hierarchy there that's being acknowledged, uh, whether that's within a religion, within a coven, within a whatever. Um, so yeah, that's my relationship to the high priestess, that inner knowing, but also that idea of stillness and humility and surrender and initiation. So That's really beautiful. And that's so interesting and like intriguing. Thank you for sharing that with me. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So I read a little bit about Appalachian Witchcraft and Appalachian Conjure, and there's this mm -hmm. book called Old Soul Conjure by Sarkasas, and I read a little mm -hmm. bit of, like, other books on, like, um, Appalachian Conjure. One of the things that I've read about Conjure is a lot of, like, seven-day workings. Why do a lot of, like, workings require seven days? It would depend on who you ask. Um, the the sort of tradition of conjure, whether it's African American conjure or Appalachian conjure, um, is heavily. It's it's a lot of quote unquote old world magic. So magic in the case of African American conjure taken from Africa, um, brought over from Africa via the slave trade, and then in the case of Appalachian conjure, there's a lot of like um, pre Christian European uh, folk magic. Um, but they were they came over to the Americas for one reason or another. In the case of African American conjure, it was uh, slavery, and they were forced to sort of adopt Christian ideals and ideologies and the Christian aesthetic and the Christian sort of worldview, Protestant Christian to be specific. And the idea of seven being a number of completion, like you read in the Book of Genesis, um, the world being created. Um, the sort of the, the cycle of creation lasting seven days, including the, the day of rest um, being the seventh day. Um, so that's one reason. And then also, like I said, number biblically being seen as a number of completion. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I know of why like seven days, like sort of week long workings is such a prominent trope in conjure work. What is one tarot card that made you cry or has left like an impact on you emotionally? Um, hmm. um that's an interesting question. I'm trying to think that that left an impact on me. 
it would be, let me look to my Instagram really quick because I did have a very visceral reaction when I was doing my daily polls over the past few weeks. I did have a very visceral reaction to, um, I want to say it was the, uh, I want to say the mug. No, it was. So essentially it would, it would be the queen of cups, but it's in the new Orleans voodoo tarot, the mambo of uh, the Congo. Um, like that would essentially be the queen of cups or the mother of yeah queen of cups or the mother of baskets and the hoodoo tarot i have so many different decks and they all have different names for the speak i get them all mixed up so um, that deck it didn't make me cry per se but it did but it came up three times in that week when i was doing the the weekly reading the weekly uh, the daily polls that week it came up three times and it was kind of just like this idea of again this idea of surrender this idea of submersion, obviously with there being water, this idea of sort of immersing yourself in um, your work and what fulfills you and what allows you to grow. Um, so I feel like that card really had a, a huge impact on me. It, it varies, like the cards, I, I sort of zero in on a specific card and it varies, um, it, it, you know, week to week like i could i just sort of obsess over one specific card and i study it and i look at it in all of the different decks i have and i'm like well what does it mean here what does it mean there so yeah but i would say like let's just generalize it and say the queen of cups that card is kind of like a special card what does the queen of cups represent to you in a tarot reading it represents I, I always I always acknowledge this is one of the reasons why I don't read reversals um, anymore, because I always acknowledge the sort of light and the shadow aspect of the cards every time they come up. Um, it, she represents or that energy represents this idea of there it, it's a wise using the word surrender again. It's a wise it's a, it's a sense of surrender rooted in wisdom. Um, so it's not the sort of overly romantic, potentially naive, um, or rather perpetually naive um, surrender, emotional surrender of the, um, uh, I would say like the page of cups, but it's more of a, a more distinguished representation of, like I said, that idea of surrender, that idea of uh, just really leaning in and, and like for someone like me who is very much in my own mind a lot, like I am very much, even though I'm a fire sign, I am very much uh, sort of a, a, a child of the, of the sorts. Um, just very communication oriented, very in my, very much in my own mind, very conscious of how I communicate and how that communication is perceived by others. But then there's, I, I guess I just admire her like sensitivity, um, the sensitivity of, of that that figure, the openness, the uh, welcoming attitude. It's I guess it's something I aspire to. I guess that's probably why I feel so drawn to it. Oh, that's really sweet. Well, like the first card to make me like really cry because like I bought my first tarot deck and it was an anime like themed tarot mm -hmm. deck. And I had bought it and I was doing like a three card reading or something. 
and I got like the hero fan and like that card really made me cry for some reason and I'm not sure why it just kind of felt like I was like getting attacked by tarot cards. <laughs> so well, it was like a traditional like Rider Waite Smith. I don't I, I don't want to say traditional, but it was a Rider Waite Smith depiction or was it an, like another? Oh, you said an anime. It, yeah, it was like anime like themed cards and it was like the traditional meaning for like Rider Waite, but it was the mm -hmm. hero fan. And I just remember just like, like, like bawling. Wow. And I think it was either like up, upright or reverse. I can't remember. I'm just like gonna double check meetings real quick. Yeah. So it was like basically talking about letting go of like of old belief systems mm -hmm. and like growing into like a new belief system. It was just like I got it during a really rough time in my life, mm -hmm. and it like was like in like imprinted in my mind. And I guess one of my other friends, uh, she's also an empath. And I was helping her do a tarot reading for herself because at work, you know, like me and my coworkers are all kind of spiritualists. Mm -hmm. And I got very lucky to be in that environment. So I was teaching her how to do a tarot reading for herself and she got the five of coins mm. for her past. And it like, it really struck a chord with her like the five of pentacles just it's interesting seeing how like we kind of connect to the universe and how we respond yeah. similar differently to like each card but i feel like the five of pentacles is kind of like one of those rough cards to get yeah. in a reading um so how did you get into tarot and your spiritual path and how did you kind of get here today like and on top of that i, I don't know your zodiac sign so for those of us who do not know what's your zodiac um i am my sun and my moon are in leo i was born on a new moon um and then my ascendant is um virgo so sun moon leo and then ascendant virgo um new moon baby so my introduction to tarot so my my introduction probably isn't the right word. I guess my start on the path to what we would consider to be alternative spirituality, um, what many would consider to be that rather. Um, began before my introduction to tarot, I grew up in church. Dad is an, or, or is an ordained minister. We haven't been to church in a while, but I grew up in that church um, owned by my grandmother, um, religious upbringing, you know, standard for the most part uh, sort of Judeo-Christian dogma. Never really identified with it on a dogmatic level. Like I was like, oh, this is cool. Like the imagery is cool, the language, the poetry, all that stuff. But like the, the, the belief system was kind of like, okay, I don't really resonate with that. So even from like a young age, I would say like early middle school, I was already sort of mentally clocked out of that um, environment. Um, probably even before that. And no, not real. Yeah, like I say, early middle school. And is when I really started to be more, I really started to express that disinterest more and more um, to the point where it was becoming more obvious to like my family um, that there were other things I'd rather be doing. And I randomly got a book from Barnes and Noble it was an encyclopedia of secret signs and symbols by Adele Nozadar. I believe I'm pronouncing their last name correctly, N-O-Z-E-D-A-R. 
And there was, it was exactly what it sounds like. It's just a, an encyclopedia of sort of alphabetized stuff, signs and symbols, but there were these sections that were dedicated to different concepts. And one of the sections was tarot. Um, and I was like, hmm, well, I, I had seen tarot in pop culture before. Um, I feel like we all have, um, but I had no clue like what it was. Like you, you knew what it was used for in the pop, in the pop culture sense um fortune telling and you know all this other spooky stuff but i had no personal relationship to it um so i, I was reading this section of this book i got pretty interested i bought my first tarot deck in college um it it, it didn't go over well with my family at the time because again like religious upbringing to them tarot was like dark and, and it was witchcraft and it was sort of demonic and all this other stuff. They've come around, you know, did a complete 180 since then, but um, wasn't very welcome at the time. But yeah, I guess that's my introduction to tarot. And then my spiritual journey, it started off and it still is in a lot of ways, but it started off as more of just like an eclectic pagan thing. My thing, I didn't have a label. I just didn't want to be Christian. Like that was my initial goal. Um, my like life's purpose, if you will. I was like, I don't care what you call me. I just don't want to be Christian. And as time progressed, like it sort of distilled into this more like, I'm an eclectic pagan. I view this specific, I work with this specific pantheon, this specific set of spirits. And then it, it sort of, we got to where we are now, which is this African-American conjure, which I've sort of come full circle. Cause like I mentioned earlier, it is, very much an African practice, a, a practice rooted in traditional African, um, West African medicine, but with this sort of Protestant Christian veneer over it. Um, and so I've sort of come full circle and I'm sort of back to being a, a Bible thumper, except this time me looking through the Bible is not so much a way as a way for me to sort of uh, find a way to live my life or like or view it as anything dogmatic. It's more so me looking for a, a recipe or an incantation to charge an oil I've made or, or something like that. So it's 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 same book, different purpose. Uh, that sounds interesting. What was it like growing up in sort of that restrained environment? And um what kind of advice would you give to someone who is growing up in that restrained environment where they don't feel quite open out of like coming out of, I guess, their, their little spiritual brood mm. closet? Um, well? Be patient is the advice I would give. Um, be, be, and be patient with the people because, you know, when you're dealing with guardians, whether they be parents or just any kind of legal guardian, they, for the most part, are going to raise you in the way that feels safest to them. They're, they're not going to um, put you in a position where they feel as though you will be in danger. So don't take things necessarily, and this is just advice from my experience, don't take things someone not ex necessarily accepting or someone sort of bashing your um the path you've chosen as a as a dependence 
under someone else's roof. Don't necessarily take it as an attack as much as a, um, you know, well, you view this as something dark and dangerous and I'm your child and you don't want me to engage with that. You know, my, they were they were very clear. I was like, this is dangerous, David. Like, David, you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what doors are opening. You don't know what, you know, and it was so, it wasn't coming from a place of, I just want you to be wrong. It was, I want you to be safe. And I also want me to be safe because you still live here. So I can't have you under my roof. You know, what, I wasn't conjuring anything, but based on their perception, I can't have you under my roof, you know, conjuring up stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the room next door and that could affect me and my loved, my, the rest of the family. So don't get defensive. Don't necessarily take it personal. Um, all the time if it is personal then that will be exposed but like don't necessarily take it personal first personal don't feel attacked don't expect everyone else's healing from the, the sort of trauma that comes with dogma religious dogma specifically um don't require everyone don't expect everyone else's healing to take place on your timeline you may have overcome a lot overcome isn't the right word you may have I guess worked through a lot of the the, the dogmatic aspects um, at a very young age in a relatively quick amount of time, but for some people, it's going to take them a lifetime. So, you know, my parents are in their fifties now, both of them, and they're just now, you know, uh, realizing some of the things that I've been talking about for the past few years. Um, so, just uh, be patient. Let people grow at their own pace. As long as they're not hurting you or harming you in any way, like, because that's that's a different conversation. But if it's just like, a, I don't agree with this, just let them let them not agree. Educate them at their, at, you know, whenever you get the chance, but let them not agree. They'll they'll come around if it's meant to be. So I guess going on to that, are you solitary or are you like practicing with other people? Do you prefer solitary, like being a solitary practitioner or do you have like a group that you work with similar to a common? Um, oh, yeah, I'm and sorry. what advice would you go in to like, I guess that aspect of life? And it seems like what you're kind of touching on is like maybe your guardians coming from like a place mm -hmm. of love and like protectiveness rather than a place of power, is that what you're saying? In, in my case, now, yes, in my case, obviously people's lives are all different, um, but just in my experience, that's in hindsight, that's what I saw, that's what I recognize it as. Like it, it, like it wasn't coming from a place of like, I just want to control you. Because even though I grew up in this very dogmatic environment, it was still, it still, and to some people, this may be oxymoronic, but it was still very, it, it valued critical thought in the sense that, so it was, we did not go to some like fire and brimstone church where, you know, it was just a bunch of screaming and shouting and dancing and like, but no, it was just people saying a bunch of nothing for like an hour and a half. It was very academic, very well thought out. You know, it, it wasn't the kind of church where it was like, oh, just come once a week empty-handed, sit in the pew for, like I said, an hour and a half, sing, dance, jump around, and go home. It was like, bring your Bible, bring your pen, bring your highlighter, bring your notebook. We're going to study this book. And it was, it was, so it, it was very critical. It was very academic, and it really valued critical thought. So it was not coming from a place of, or at least I didn't interpret it as, 
let me rephrase that. I did interpret it as them coming from a place of control, but in hindsight, I don't think it was coming from a place of control. I genuinely believe it was coming from a place of, I don't understand this thing that you're embarking on or that you've embarked on. It is a bit frightening to me. I have my own preconceived notions about it. One of those notions is it is dangerous. It is evil. And I don't want you dealing with it, especially while you're under my roof because of the the potential residual effects that comes with working with it. So it was a safety thing as much as it was a, I just don't want you doing it because it's, it's, it's bad in the Bible, according to the Bible or whatever. Um, to answer the question about, you know, being solitary or whatever, I, I am solitary. Conjure isn't, it, it's very community oriented, but it's not necessarily like, let's all get together and do magic. Um, that's really not like that's not really a part of the culture necessarily. Um, so it, yes, I am solitary. But like I said, there is a community. I do have a a a, a growing, a, a steadily growing sort of in person community that I can lean on. And then obviously, there's you know social media people, the people that I meet through social media that are very helpful and trustworthy and, and just you know encouraging and supportive of the journey, either because they've been on the journey or they're on the journey themselves. Um, yeah, so yeah, solitary, but with community. Uh, that's very beautiful. So I guess it's really interesting seeing how you grew up compared to how I grew up, because I guess I grew up in a very different type of you know, I grew up very, what would Jesus do when, like, Christians saw rock church filled with hippies? And it was, like, I couldn't sit still because I always wanted to, like, go and I wanted to move and I, I hated it. And my, my dad and my stepfather was Buddhist. And, you know, like, my mom was being, like, this um, spiritual, not religious Christian. And my dad being, like, his family, like, being, you know, like, modern Buddhism, and I guess that's a really interesting contrast between mm -hmm. our upbringings. But um, I guess, you know, like we are going through a very, you know, interpersonal time with ourselves. We're spending more time at home or alone with our like spiritual growth or religious growth. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you kind of be on this podcast is, you know, for people who I guess are living the experience, I guess, of a black or you don't like the word black or if you like the word black or african-american whatever you know you word that you identify with in much with much respect few people that are listening what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to be a spiritualist or wanting to get on the spiritual path and like what how do they find the path that's right for them because it seems like you really did your homework and you really explored your opportunities to see where you wanted to go and who you wanted to be um I would, first of all, I would always approach, I would, I, I would always approach the homework, going back to the idea of the high priestess, from a point of humility, um, acknowledging the fact that, at least within the sort of Afro-diasporic traditional sort of, the, the sort of web of Afro-diasporic spiritual and religious traditions, so, which is what I'm, what I study and what I explore, um, both in practice and sort of academically, um, for lack of a better term. And 
you approaching it from a place of humility um, in the sense that if there is, let me start from the beginning. So we're in this interpersonal time. We're spending a lot of time with ourselves in the midst of a lot of civil unrest. So there are like two things happening simultaneously. Um, we have this sort of, we're dealing with the sort of the microcosm of the self coming up against the macrocosm of all of the, the craziness that's happening in the world and specifically in the United States. So spiritually, I would say be careful especially if you're if you're coming into spirituality in this time um like during this time if you if you don't have a found a spiritual foundation because I, I i tell people i'm new to conjure um it's really i mean i think like my one year anniversary just sort of came up where i did my first working that was like explicitly you know like this is a hoodoo working um I'm new to conjure, but I am by I am not new to magic, and I'm only 24, so I can't. I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I've been doing it for 80 years. But like, uh, since I was in middle school, I have, in secret, um, but practiced actively some form of mysticism, some form of of, of magic. Um, like I said, in one form or another. So if you don't have a foundation to work on, just be careful, lean on the authority figures that may exist, if there are any in your tradition, the tradition that you're exploring, lean on the sort of uh, respectable, the honorable, the trustworthy, that's the word I'm looking for, the trustworthy uh, authority figures in that tradition. Um, allow yourself to be sort of guided because one thing i do see a lot of people from a lot of people who are who are new to like i said earlier what could be considered as alternative spirituality there's a lot of people who are escaping dogma you know they're sort of living that hierophant reversed energy um they're escaping dogma letting go of these old belief systems and it sort of turns them into this this aimless rebel with no sense of direction, no sense of purpose, and no sense of no no foundation, no roots anywhere, because they're so opposed to authority that they completely just they miss the point. They miss the point of mentorship. They miss the point of leadership because they're just so opposed to the idea of authority because of the trauma they've endured at the hands of authority in the past. Um, so I guess my advice for like new spiritual people, especially in this time would be to sort of just like do the healing work necessary to learn how to trust those above you again, before you call yourself moving into unfamiliar territory. I guess that's how I would phrase that. So like, I guess basically that's one of the reasons I made this podcast. I, like, ironically enough, is I wanted to un understand and explore the idea of like living your spirituality mm -hmm. and your faith. And one of those things that I find a lot of these people that are, I guess, um, like they're a bit like yeah. anarchist type people. And instead of, you know, like growing with the faith or religion or community, 
or just with themselves, like their soul's purpose, they kind of come into the spiritual community kind of just being, you know, uh, I guess against the establishment and like, that's great. I'm happy that you're, you know, figuring out your truth and owning it. But at the same time, you know, like your faith should be something that brings, I guess, humanitarian, like humanitarianism into your life and that kind of like allows you to elevate higher consciousness. But what I'm seeing is kind of people coming to the spiritual community and being like, it's not my fault. I'm a Virgo. And this is why I'm doing it. Cause I'm a Virgo. And, you know, like, how do you feel about like these people that kind of come in or like, well, you know, I, I, I like, I'm sorry that I did that because I'm a Virgo instead of like, you know, like doing yeah. the shadow work, owning up to, I guess, the shadow aspects of themselves. How do you feel about that since that's kind of becoming a bit of a, a like a hidden conversation piece in the spiritual community that we're not always talking about with everybody else as a whole? I feel like spirituality, has, spirituality religion has, has almost, I don't, I don't want to say always. Well, I'm going to say always. I'm just going to sort of preface it with the acknowledgement that I'm being hyperbolic. Spirituality and religion has sort of almost always been used as like a scapegoat when people don't want to take responsibility for their actions. Um, so like in the, the sort of Christian circles, it's like, uh oh, like I did this thing, but it wasn't me, the devil made me do it, you know? So it, it was kind of like, yeah. So oh. it, it's like, I, I'm able to have my cake and eat it too. I get to do the bad thing um, in quotes, the bad thing, let's just say like it's, it's having sex before marriage. I get to do the bad thing and I get to enjoy the bad thing but I also get to play victim afterwards and, and sort of receive the pity of my, my congregation by saying, it wasn't me, guys. The devil made me do it. So it's, I, I feel like that same mentality is being brought, or rather not brought, it's just being a light is being shed on that mentality in the sort of the, the, the spiritual community, um, which it's good that a light is being shed on it. I, I just think, yeah, I really, I think it's that mentality. I feel like that there's, there's a lot of uh, baggage. That's sort of one of the, the, the sort of elements of baggage that's been carried over into the, uh, sort of, uh, the, the sort of spiritual circles. And then there's also the element of, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, so I'm just going to skip it. But yeah, that's how, that's how I feel about that. I feel like it's the same concept that's like a very powerful mm -hmm. perspective thank you um i guess what would you say to someone that's kind of going through that first step and they're like they're like figuring out themselves and they're like they're kind of like i guess putting their like toe in a shallow pool like how would they heal and like kind of get out of the kiddie pool and kind of get into like the the adult swim section um, of spirituality well, by yeah. doing like the I feel like work. for me personally, my healing process had to do a lot with language. Um, for example, being someone who was sort of growing out of that very angsty phase of, well, I don't care what you call me as long as you don't call me Christian. I, to this day, I don't identify as a Christian. I probably will never identify as a Christian for the rest of my life. Um, Cause that's just not something that resonates with me, but I had to learn how to decolonize the language. So I, for the longest, I would intentionally not use the word pray or prayer. 
um, when referring to what I was doing when I was praying. <laughs> you know, I would use every word but that because I had the association of like a church and I don't want to like be associated with church. So I don't want to say I'm praying or words like God or words like blessed or just stuff like that where words that I had associations with that I did not feel comfortable with. And it just took time. It took education, self-education for me to understand, well, David, Christians did not invent prayer. They did not invent the idea of blessing things. They did not invent the concept of God. They did not invent the word God. Um, so you, you really can't allow someone, you can't allow someone else to monopolize a, an idea for you. You have to be able to be comfortable with it on your own. And so I, I guess I don't have a, a process of how I went through that other than just forcing myself to use those words until I felt comfortable with them. And now I'm kind of just like, like I said, now I've sort of come full circle and I don't, I don't have the, the, the belief system per se, but I've sort of become like a, a bona fide Bible thumper all over again, more so than I was when I was going to church. I, I, I barely opened the Bible when I was going, we were going to church, but like now that I don't go anymore and I have this system to work with, I am, always like I, I carry around, I don't carry a Bible with me, but I carry two books with me at like all times to like study and read when I have downtime. It's the Powers of the Psalms by Anna Riva or Riva and then Hoodoo Bible Magic by um, uh, Professor Charles, Charles Porterfield and Miss Shell, I forgot, I don't know how to pronounce their name. Um, so I, I, yeah, I've sort of become this like Bible thumper, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> So, so like, what do you mean by Bible thumper? Because all I can remember is, like, this missionaries that, like, when I was in middle school, like, they would come over while, like, I was, like, my parents were working two jobs, and they would be, like, we want to talk about Jesus. I'm, like, there's nobody here to talk about Jesus with you that's over the age of 18. I'm, like, go away. And they would come every day. And then I got to this point where I had to open the door, and I would have to slam it because I wouldn't leave my house. So it got to this point where it opened because if I didn't answer, they would continue to knock. If I opened the door and I slammed it, they wouldn't knock next time. So I was like, this is the easiest way to get these people to go away. Do you mean like that, that kind of mission? That like you're going to knock no. on the door talking about food? So, like, <laughs> I'm always sort of like reading it or referencing it or it being the Bible or like I say, using it in my work or thinking about it. It's, just, it's like become a very integral part of my daily life. Um, I use it for divination purposes. Like I, I do, um, I practice bibliomancy and, and I, I don't know if you're like familiar with what that is. And then it's, um, well, just in case someone in the audience isn't familiar, it's like you use a book. It could be any book, but it, I, you know, it's traditionally been the Bible. Um, you use a book or any other religious text, really. You use it to divine. So you'll sort of randomly open to a page and then the passages present on the page is sort of, that's the message. Um, so I will do that in conjunction with tarot reading sometimes. And then I will, like I said, use scriptures as like incantation, um, as incantations. And then there are so many recipes for incense and oils and things in the Bible. So that's what I mean when I say Bible thumper, just someone who's like always thumping their thumbs through a Bible or something related to the Bible. Um, not a missionary. I, 
okay. care less about evangelizing. Thank you. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting because you're like talking about not identifying with like Christianity or like a real like word. So I've been kind of tiptoeing on that path right now as a spiritualist. And I've been with like the Unitarian mm-hmm. Universalists, if you've ever heard of them. Um, and they're like a non, for anyone that's listening, they're an interfaith, non-denominational religion that values humanitarianism above all else. There is mm-hmm. like a bit of a Christian overtone and like to this faith, but you know, it's helped me grow out of a lot of my old beliefs, kind of like come out of the, like the mm-hmm. closet a little bit sexually with like my sexuality, not like with my sexuality. So I guess, you know, like I was talking to this Ricky Hiller and I was like, well, you know, like I'm figuring out my religion and my path and she's like talking like i don't identify it with a word and i didn't understand what she meant and you know like i ran into a relative when i was out and i ran into one of the relatives that is not exactly Mm -hmm. the normal sheep in my family this is like the the she like i love this relative to my heart but I guess, like, she's what my friend calls a legis- like a legislator, which means, like, she okay. lives her life by the scripture. And, and like, like the word of God is the law, and the word of God is, like, the Bible. And, and it's really weird just, like, being around her because, you know, like, my family has been, traditionally has been very progressive. Like, I come from, like, a feminist family on my mom's side. And, you know, my mom was what would Jesus do spiritual, but not religious. So like being around this relative, I feel like I've gone into like a Republican (laughs) party meeting and I kind of understood like after seeing her and trying to, you know, teach her about like the phrase ego and like, like our highest good or higher Mm -hmm. self. Cause I don't believe in evil. And even though the person that mentored me believes in entities and like evil spirits, like I don't believe in evil. I believe when we speak evil, we see evil, we hear evil, we create evil. Like, the devil made me do it. Like, that's not you owning it up. That's you believing in the devil and giving the devil power over you. I had this sermon when I was, like, 12 or 16 from, like, my, um my like, New Life church that I grew up in. It was, like, a hippie church. They were a bunch of, like, like mm-hmm. the, the band mm-hmm. used to smoke weed. And the guy that used to smoke weed in the band, who was, like, the lead singer and guitarist in the band, was my, like, my priest, like, my pastor. So I was, like like listening to this dude speak and he was talking about like we cannot believe in the devil because if we believe in the devil we give like Hmm. the devil power over us it's like it's like the idea of like giving your ego power over you and like like giving that devil shoulder power over you like when you say the devil made me do it you're giving the devil your like power over you giving evil your power over you so like why would you say the devil made me do it like that's like that's like me listening to you say um the little munchkin man that right. lives in a mall <laughs> down the street made me do it. Like, like, I'm sorry the lollip- the lollipop brigade or guild from like the Wizard of Oz made you yeah. get angry and throw stuff around the room, but like that's not the solution for anyone, you know. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about that phrase? Like, uh, it's interesting. So even though, like I said, I become sort of a Bible thumper, I it's it's only in language. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the, the sort of Christian cosmology, the Christian worldview. Um, I, I don't believe in the devil. I, I believe in evil. I, I believe in evil um, as a concept. Do I believe there is this one supreme evil being? No, but I, I, I do believe in, in, in evil 
and malice and malicious spirits and entities. Um, my approach to my, uh, to the sort of Christian, so one, the, the main reason why the Bible has sort of reintroduced itself into my life is because I, you know, my work is deeply rooted in ancestor veneration and being a black person in America, the uh, descendant of, you know, slaves who went through the colonization and indoctrination process, they were Christian, most of them, if not all of them. So when you're working with the ancestors, you speak their language. And so I'm speaking their language because I'm petitioning them. So like if you, I will actually be, I'm, I'm writing a book of prayers as we speak, not at this moment, but you know, in general as we speak. And when that gets published, you will see that like, I don't, outside of directly quoting scripture, I don't use the word God a lot in my prayers. I'm, I'm mainly petitioning my ancestors and I'm allowing them to petition whoever they want. So that could be the Christian God, that could, if they were Muslim, that could be, you know, who, like it, it, I'm allowing them to petition whoever they petition, but I'm petitioning them directly. I really don't pray to God directly um, when I'm working with them because my concept of God is not necessarily in line with theirs. And I don't feel comfortable necessarily like imposing that into our conversations. Um, so that's kind of my idea to go back to like the devil made me do it. I, I really don't believe in the devil. So I, I guess I find that phrase to be kind of ridiculous because <laughs> um, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't believe in that idea of the, the big bad. Um, just like I really don't believe in this idea of like the big good guy. Um, yeah, I don't really I don't really subscribe to that. That's like a lot of duality in your belief system. That's very important of you. <laughs> um, I guess there's like a lot of things floating around my head right now. But um, I guess like when I'm thinking of like exploring spiritual past, I think like, you know, it's important to be, you know, grounded. Like you can't just go in with like anxiety or, you know, like thinking that you're going to guess, you know, like create karma. Like you can't mm. be like, I'm going to go hex my ex. Or, you know, like, this, like, ghost is haunting me. Like, I I feel like a lot of people, they don't come into the spiritual mindset being very right. grounded. You know, like, they're not, like, doing those grounding exercises before they're doing, like, their workings or spell work. It definitely makes sense. I, makes sense. I think it's funny. A lot of people come to, all, you know, I'm going to keep saying it, alternative spirituality. Alternative to the sort of Western American mainstream they come into it usually to solve a problem. Um, a lot of people don't come into it to better themselves. That could be, that could end up being what happens. But a lot of people come into it because they want that job. They want that, that, that person to love them. They want to get rid of their pesky neighbor. They want to do all these, these little mundane things, right? So they, that's why they come into it. And they sort of come into it expecting this sort of Harry Potter fantasy where someone's just going to be able to like light a candle, wave a wand and say a few words, and then all of their troubles will go away. 
And it isn't until they actually engage with the work, whether they're doing it themselves or they're paying someone else to do it, it isn't until they engage with the work in an intimate way that they realize, if they're mature enough to realize this and walk away with this realization. They'll always realize it, but if they're some, not everyone is mature enough to walk away with this realization and grow from it. They'll realize that, oh, that isn't how magic works. And I'm actually okay with that because it makes it more exciting. I would be so bored if I could wave my hands, wiggle my nose, and everything would just be perfect. It would be fun for like five minutes. I enjoy the process. I enjoy the little synchronicities. I enjoy the little steps, the little things. I, I That's my favorite part about it. So I forgot what question I was answering. I went off on a tangent, but yeah, that's just how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually like the perfect answer to my question. Um, this is gonna sound so Christian-esque for like the spiritual community, but like Oprah says, prayer mm -hmm. is half of the work. You like whatever, and it's like she was talking to Caroline Mass, like a spiritualist in her book, um, a, finding your path or like a walking path, it's like finding about your path in life. And they're talking about manifesting, spell work, spirituality, prayer, whatever like religion you're part of, like you're only doing half of the work. You have to trust God has your back as you go through the physical actions yeah. of the work, not just like, you know, like the last time, like there's another phrase, like um, religion without science hmm. is a house without light bulbs. Oh, it's like one of my favorite quotes I made up. But at the same <laughs> That's time, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, but like, but you know, last time I wiggled my nose, you know what happened? <laughs> I sneezed very loudly in a crowd during the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> I wish I could like wiggle my nose and get like $50. That would be great. Yeah, that, that would like, be fun for like the first pandemic. times. Because like you would fix all of the immediate problems that you need help with like right now. But then after a while, you're kind of just like, okay, now what? That's what takes your time, like running from the running. The next thing I guess would be running from right, the yeah, like the magical eye. All this money and it had to come from somewhere, so you just stole a bunch of money from someone you didn't even know it. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh I, I just imagine like some right, right. in the witch's council, like your own trial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's quite, it's quite it reminds like fairly odd parents. Laughing, really. It reminds me of that, like the fairy council, where it was like there were rules of the kinds of wishes you could have. It's like if you broke them, there was this council that they would take your fairy's magic away. I, the things you grow up watching, <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, the saddest thing, I was, like, reading this Facebook post the other day, and this poor lady, like, she manifested mm. abundance into her life. Like, she needed money, and she did the spell, and she's, like, a Wiccan, and she got money, but her favorite relative died. So she got out yeah. of that, but it, it was from a will. It was that's her inheritance from her closest very relative, specific. from her extended family. You need to be being someone, my own personally, who works with a lot of herbs and oils and stuff like that. Like, if I'm doing prosper, like money work, 
you will almost always see me using something sticky. Honey usually is, is usually going to be honey because there is no use. Me simply wrapping that dollar bill around that cinnamon stick is you're going to get the money, but the money isn't going to stick. So you need to be super specific in your workings. Otherwise, stuff like that will happen. Like you'll get that $500, but then five there, next thing you know, you know, the day after the check is cashed or the check is deposited, you know, there's $500 worth of damage to your car. So it's like, ha, the universe has a sense of humor. I always tell people like the spirit has a sense of humor. Um, it does not abide by the same moral code that we do. So it, 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 it will just, just be very specific because you don't, you, you can't assume it, it's going to, to understand what you are saying if you're just being super vague. <laughs> Do you ever like talk to your crystals? This is a new thing I, I found myself doing. I don't use crystals a lot. I use herbs, like, oils, not, well, yes, oils, but I use like herbs and roots and stuff like that. I talk to those. Um, <laughs> like an insane person i i got into a fight with a crystal because the class snapped off and it was basically like i was i wasn't like being the best person that day i was like well i could mm -hmm. really use like an extra five dollars today universe if you want to like be kind and mm -hmm. it was like you don't need money you want money like fuck you and i was like but you're good for money and mm -hmm. it was like i'm good for abundance not money abundance is when you need me not when you want me like you don't yeah. get what you want you get what you need and it was like one of those like weird internal conversations yeah. with the self through like the conduit in a way if you like don't believe in spirituality but i guess you know like i find it therapeutic yeah i definitely <laughs> find it therapeutic because they're living beings but, I'm, a big, um, I'm big on the idea of animism they're they're living they're alive they can talk back Uh, so for those of us who do not know the idea uh, that all things have an energy have a life you know I will I'm going to quote one of my favorite songs of all time Colors of the Wind from the Disney classic Pocahontas um, there's the and I know every rock and tree and creature has a life has a spirit and has a name that is the essence of animism I'm going to listen to that song tonight because it is so epic but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my, oh, sorry. My favorite line from that song is like, "You think the only people who um, do you think people who like, people, who, like yeah, so the people, people that act, act think like you, think like you. But if you walk the footsteps like, of a stranger, you'll learn things you never knew. You never knew. Uh, brings me to tears. <laughs> I. I feel like that's kind of what it's like being in a spiritual community is you have all these different people doing like a cultural yes. exchange of ideas from different religions and faiths and ethnicities coming together to create this whole beautiful picture of like what the divine wants you to know or the source, mm -hmm. whatever you like spirit, whatever word you have for it. And I guess, you know, we have like four minutes left or coming to a close um, oh. sort of thing you want to end on or so. I don't know. Just... Excuse me. <laughs> that's that's recorded. <laughs> uh, be human. Uh, be human. Burp on burp uh, during a podcast. 
um, make mistakes, be in a perpetual state of learning. I cannot believe I just did that. Uh, <laughs> be in a perpetual state of learning. Uh, be humble. You don't know everything. You never will know everything. Um, and just, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Don't, don't take it seriously. Take the process seriously, but enjoy the journey. Don't take the journey too seriously. Have fun along the way. It's not that deep. It's not that deep. Okay, I guess that's interesting. That's really beautiful. And thank you for being on my podcast. And I hope that you'll be willing to come do another yeah, podcast course, course, with me. Course. I had a lot of fun talking with you today. Thank you for listening to my podcast. And so, David, um, so where can I am, find you? If you, if you want to catch me where I'm most active, I'm going to give you the order of operations. So I'm most active on Instagram, second most active on Facebook. I am barely ever on Twitter. I need to get back on my YouTube game, but all of those are at Porous Palms. So P-O-R-O-U-S-P-A-L-M-S. Um, yeah, Porous Palms. There's also porouspalms.com, same spelling. Um, where you can catch, you know, me posting things. I have my Wednesday night study journals where we, I write a little mini essay on different topics every Wednesday night. I post them. I'm a tarot card reader, so you can book readings with me. I'm an artist, so you'll be seeing some of that coming up. So yeah, porous palms all over the interwebs. I like peanut butter. <laughs> that has nothing to add. I'm so excited. <laughs> what is your favorite spread? Barbecue on sauce. Diet? I put barbecue sauce on everything. Have you ever I had have. sriracha? It is pizza? very good. It is I the have. best. I, I do. I'm, I'm a big hot sauce person. I don't eat uh, use sriracha a lot. I do have some, but. Um, yeah, like it's barbecue sauce and then hot sauce. I do love spicy food. So it's like barbecue sauce, hot sauce. And yeah, I just, I'm obsessed with barbecue sauce. Okay, well, I love that because barbecue sauce is great in mac and cheese. Okay. I think I'm going to end the recording now. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, bye. Bye, everyone. Do you want to say bye to her? Have a, have a great life.